Kids can come on up. Pretty small group this morning, I guess. <laughs> All right, well, I guess this could be for everyone then, too. So, um, have you guys ever prayed before? Prayer is very important because it's how we talk to God, and you can talk to God about anything. You can talk to God when you're happy or sad, you can talk to God when you have questions or thank Him for everything He's done in your life. He's your friend, you can tell Him anything. In Joshua 1.5 it says, I will be with you, I will not leave you or forsake you. This verse is God's promise to us that He will always be there for us and never leave us, and he will always hear your prayers. Because in Psalm 139.4, it says, God hears all your prayers. So he will always be there to hear your prayers no matter where you are. That's all I got. Go back to your prayers. Sometimes we think of, like, for me in particular, I like bigger crowds. 
And so you know it's not where two or three are gathered in his name, he will be there. Amen. And uh, it's not in our things, it's not about having three hundred people, even thirty people, you know. And where God says he shall supply all all you need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Well, I'm getting charismatic here. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, thanks again for coming. Um, I think we do have a couple of barbecue this afternoon, so it's going to hang around for that. And uh, before we, uh, I think Brother Phil brings the word, uh, let's just bow our head for Heavenly Father, we thank you. We love you for who you are. Thank you for your riches. <clears throat> I just pray that you would, in our midst, you would, Brother Phil, give more to speak, Father. Anoint him with your spirit. I just pray that we have open hearts and mind to hear from you, Father. Just thank you for your faithfulness in Christ and my prayer. Amen. Before you get too comfortable, Dave, and put that mic away, um, we're going to have a, a prayer of dedication for two little souls that the Lord has brought into our midst. Uh, Brother Henry and Sister Leah and their little Lucy uh, came, um, has it been a month yet? Three weeks? There you go. Praise the Lord. That's the Lord. And, uh, and then we have another sweet little one, uh, Eileen and Christie's little Rio. So let's give the Lord a praise. And he is three weeks. So why don't you, the two guys, come on up as a couple with your... Uh, Yes, guys and girls. Guys, it's plural. <laughs> and I'm going to ask you as a minister team to come up. And if anyone else who wants to join, just come on up uh, as these couples come up with their little ones. And uh, I'd ask each father to uh, pray over their, uh, their son and, and their daughter. And then we'll, we'll dedicate these precious little souls to the Lord. What a wonderful gift. Life is God has given us. I'll begin with a gentle prayer and then I'll give the mic to you, Elie, and then to Henry, and then whoever else wants to pray. Father, we come to you and we bless you, praising your holy name for these precious little souls, Lord, that you've entrusted into the care of Henry and Leah and of Elie and Christy. And Father, I thank you that you are a God, the giver of life. Not only of, uh, of, of life in the natural like this, but Lord, you're also the giver of eternal life. And so we pray for uh, Henry and Leah and Lucy, Lord, as, as they bring her up in your atmosphere, in the culture of the King of Heaven. And your word that you would bless her, that you would, Lord, keep her soul unto eternal life. Lord Jesus, as she grows up, I pray that you would save her soul and that you would take her safely to her eternal home. But Lord, on the journey there, I pray that you would use her life to be a blessing to the many. Enrich uh, Henry and Leah's life with her presence. I know you already have. And I pray that you would continue to give them wisdom and grace as they serve you and as they uh, 
love Lucy and bring her up in your love. And Father, I pray the same for you, Lee and Christy. Lord, we just lift up little Rio before you and we thank you for this wonderful gift of life that you've blessed them with, along with their other children. And Lord, I just I lift up, Father, their, their family before you. I thank you for my brother and sister, for their the call you have put on their life, Lord, and the ministry they've given themselves over to, Lord, and your word and and to the ministry of the saints, and I pray for their little souls and their little children, Lord, and especially for real, we lift him up before you and pray that you would bless him with your presence all the days of his life. And as he grows up into an age, Lord, where he, he, he becomes accountable before you and, and acknowledges that he is a sinner and he needs to be saved by your grace, I pray you would lead him to the cross and save his soul and then use him powerfully to be an example and a living testimony of your written word. Oh Lord, I pray, bless him and use him mightily to bless many. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Father, I thank you all for the good gifts that you've given us. Thank you for real. Thank you for blessings I pray of our hearts. I want to bless my song in your name.
help us to represent you well, God, as we raise her, Father, and also, Lord, that you would, uh, uh, Lord, that you would uh, just provide her, Lord, with a man of God, so thank you, Lord, and help us to prepare her, Father, we pray for him, Lord, that you would prepare him as well, Lord, and we just thank you for her, Father, we pray, Lord, that she would uh, just Lord, that she would hear the gospel over and over again, Father, that you would uh, just uh, speak to her when it's the right time, Lord, to accept you, to follow you, to know you, Jesus Christ, and we would just thank you for her life, Father, and um, pray, Lord, that you would use her mighty, Lord, use her for your kingdom, God, for your will, your plans in this earth, God, to bring more people into your kingdom, Father, just thank you for her, just pray, Lord, just blessing over her, my God. Thank you for her, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for Henry and the lives, Lord. Special gifts, Lord, that you've given them, Lord. What a blessing, Lord, it is, Lord. Have these little ones, Lord. Teach them, train them, Lord. Conform them, Lord, to your glory, Lord. Just thank you, Lord, for these gifts. And thanks for mothers, Lord, that will make bear children, Lord. We know they're gifts from you, Lord. You have created them, Lord. We just thank you for this special time, Lord, to have with them. May they be the joy of the family. May they be blessings, Lord, for your kingdom, Lord. And I just thank you, Lord, that you can have this opportunity to raise them. Thank you, Father, for your love and for your goodness to us, Lord. I just thank you this morning for uh, Henry and Leah and Leah Christy. Lord, I just thank you so much that you can trust them with these new little lives, uh, that uh, they care for them, or they teach and train them. And I just pray that you give them each wisdom and uh, 
Jesus said, my house should be called a house of prayer. And one of the things that encourages me the most about our dear brothers and sisters across the world is the prayer meetings that they have. And I, I know that it's good for us to come together and praise and to listen to the word, but to be in prayer. Uh, Colossians chapter 4 says, devote yourselves to prayer. And uh, yeah, brother, you can sit there beside your wife if you like. I'm going to sit up front so I can preach at you. Uh, and and one of the one of the testimonies that I was reading about uh, our dear brothers and sisters in China is that you know they they can't come together openly like this anymore in prayer. It's changing. For for the last 20 years they could, but now it's changing, and now they have to come into each other's houses, pretend they're just visiting each other in quiet, they have their little prayer meetings. But you know what it's doing to them? It's bringing a deep spirit of prayer. And one of the, one of the men who was there uh, and, is, and is still involved in many of these little house churches is saying this, this is the testimony that he shared. When you come into their place, they're not, there's not loud singing, there's just weeping and praying. And that goes on for sometimes two to three hours. Just this. And he was so deeply touched and deeply moved because the Spirit of God moves among them and he answers those prayers. And, and the Lord's been saying to me strongly, it's like, my house shall be called a house of prayer. What do you call it? What do you make it? What do you do when you come to my house? Fellowship together. Is it a place? Prayer, where people were listening to my voice. I'm listening to their voice. There's fellowship, spirit of God. That's been really uh, something the Lord has been encouraging me with. And uh, as we do it together, I find that God is answering prayers. Brother Leonard Toddy is here this morning. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a round of applause for healing him. At least you're, well, for our sake, you're still here. I know you'd be feeling a lot better there in glory if the Lord would taking you home a few weeks ago. He was sitting right here among us and he had, a, I guess, a stroke. And, um, and but the Lord blessed you and led your way through and you're feeling okay? Yeah. 
journey from that point of birth to the point of death, look where he takes us. For we brought nothing into the world. They came with no money. They came with no clothing. They came with no food. They came with nothing except themselves. So we cannot take anything out of it either. You came with nothing except yourself. Priceless. You'll go out with nothing except yourself. Priceless. The sight of God. And a reward of the work you accomplished on the earth for Him. And if we have food and covering, or say, with these we shall be content. Where's your contentment level? Have you ever actually been content with food and clothing? That's it. Thank you, Lord. I don't have to walk around naked. And I have food to eat. I'm not starving and dying. Contentment. Well, that's a base level of contentment. Have you ever gone there? You'll never get there without the good fight of faith. Never. You will always be want more than this. And be striving for it. Be stressed out because you don't have it. Or because... You'll want more unless you find contentment where the Lord says on His level. And that's a good fight. Because if you lose that fight, this is your lot in life. Verse 9. But those who want to get rich, richer than this, fall into temptation. Number one. That's where you're going to go. The first thing of covetousness is temptation. Essentially what you're doing is you're taking off your armor. You take off the helmet of salvation. You take off the shield of faith. You take off the sword of the spirit. You lay aside the breastplate of righteousness and you go out into the world without any armor. You put yourself there. You expose yourself to every temptation the devil can throw at you. No wonder you're so discouraged. No wonder you're so wounded. No wonder you're so wore out. Because if you go into a fight with the devil and all of his armies and all of the demonic forces of the world we live in, we live in his turf. This place has been given over to Satan. The boys and I were talking about this yesterday morning as we were listening to the book of Daniel. And there's a, this place in, the, in, in Daniel towards the end where Daniel sees these visions and revelations. And, and Gabriel comes to Daniel. Gabriel, the, the, the messenger angel. You notice it was Gabriel who brought the message to Mary that she was going to have a son. It was Gabriel who met Zacharias and told him that he was going to have a son. It was Gabriel who met Gideon. It was Gabriel who was the messenger angel. And so he comes to Daniel to give him this revelation. But he says, from the time you started praying, I set out to give you this message. But I was hindered. For three weeks, Daniel fasted and prayed. And Gabriel said, your prayer was heard right away. But... I was hindered from the prince of Persia. The prince of darkness hindered me. He fought against me. And finally, Michael the archangel came to give me some help. 
And I was able to break through the ranks and come and give you this message. Prayer is a good fight of faith. And he moves the heavens. But when you and I go into a fight, spiritual fight, without any armor, we put ourselves out there vulnerable to temptation. And we are assaulted on every front, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and bodily. Every front, we're assaulted. And here's the end result. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation. It's a free fall. You're not in control. It's a slippery slope. And a snare. It's full of booby traps. Boom, you get caught. Boom, you get snared. You know what a snare is? It's a trap that you lay underneath the ground for an animal to walk over. Boom, catches it by its leg. And so there's this snare that grabs you, and this thing that holds on to you, and this thing that matches on to you, and this thing. And after a while, you get all these snares, and you're trying to walk with all these traps hanging on you. Lots of traps. And many, listen to this, and many foolish and harmful desires from within now. Now you're not only battling outside, they're coming from within you. Foolish desires and destructive, that's the word, harmful. Destructive desires come out of you. You want all kinds of stuff that's going to hurt you, eventually destroy you, make a fool out of you in the heavenlies. And then comes the plunge. You only walk that way for a little while, and then you fall off into the abyss. There's a plunge into ruin and destruction, which plunge men into ruin and destruction. Who volunteers to be content? I'll fight that fight. That good fight of faith is worth fighting because this result is not a result I want to live, and neither do you. And yet, so often Satan comes in and he sneaks into our hearts with these desires and all of these things and he strips us first of our armor. And slowly but surely, these things come upon us. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it, they didn't get it. They just wanted it. Longing for it. You know, it's so interesting. It's easy for us to look at people who are rich, much richer than us, and think, oh, we judge them, you know. Oh, they have all this money. They ought to share some, whatever. It's easy for us to, to think towards them in a, in a way that is not admirable. But that's not who he's talking to here. He's talking about the people who don't have the money or longing for it. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from what? The faith. The faith. They 
pierced themselves through with many a pang. But you, you, oh man, you, oh woman of God, flee these things, run for your life from this longing. Someone jokingly like, because I, you know, I like to run, just because I like to run. And, and I've had people quote Proverbs to me, you know, the wicked man flees when no man pursues. <laughs> what are you running from? And, I, and, and, and my answer is, I'm running to, not from. Are you running from things? You end up right back where you started. But if you're running to something, there's a purpose to your run. Look what he says. But flee from these things, you man of God, verse 11, and pursue. You're running towards righteousness. Things that are right. That God says is right in your life. Run to righteousness. Run towards godliness. Pursue being like God. That's what godliness means. I love that word in Ephesians 5. Be imitators of God, you children of God. Imitate Him. Make that a goal of your life and how you love your wife. That's the command, husbands. Husbands, love your wives. How? As Christ loves the church. Make that the goal of your life, every husband. We have a goal to run towards. Run away from this. This will ruin your marriage. It will plunge you into divorce and destruction and hurt and many evil passions that will ruin your life. But run to loving your wife as Christ loves the church. Pursue that with all your heart. Godliness, faith, love, perseverance, gentleness. Well, I don't know about you, but you know, I get I can get kind of passionate about these things. Pursue after righteousness. Yes, we're gonna do what is right. We're gonna stand for the truth. We're gonna be godly. We're gonna imitate Christ on the earth. And there's purpose in that. We're gonna be men and women of faith. We're going to be strong in faith and overcomers. We're going to persevere. We're going to hang in there. We're going to be men and women like Daniel who had a heart of purpose, who purposed in his heart he would not defile himself with the king's meat. But did you ever notice how Daniel pursued that purpose? With gentleness. He did not go to the king's steward, who was designated, delegated to feed them the king's meat and say, No, I won't. I won't eat. He didn't do it that way. He came to him and he made an appeal. Very gentle. He said, Listen, I can't eat that meat. My God has given me a diet and it doesn't include that. And he made an appeal to him, and, and the steward said to him, but if you don't eat this, and you show up to the king, and you're lean and 
and skinny and you don't look good, King's going to kill me. You see how Daniel gently stood firm on his faith. And Daniel said, okay, try us for 10 days and see how we look. And so they did. He said, okay, I'll make a deal with you for 10 days. And in 10 days, God bore witness to it. They were stronger, more muscular, and more healthy than all the other wise men who ate the king's meat. Just by drinking water and eating vegetables. You see how gentle? That's why he says, this man, this woman of faith, That's what it means to fight the good fight of faith. Look what he says in verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And today I would like to encourage you with a few examples. Who lived this way and died this way. We all know, many of us, anyone who's familiar with their Bible, know what Hebrews chapter 11 talks about, right? Amen. What is the subject? Faith. Faith. So, let's look at a few characters. Some of them are very well known. Others, not so well. And I don't know, as a Christian, how much you have read the book of Judges. But there are some very interesting men and women of faith recorded in the book of Judges. And I want to point out to us this morning to inspire you and I in our good fight of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, first he identifies faith, right? Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's something you're still praying for. But praying with conviction. Do you pray with conviction? Or do you just pray with a wish? Like snapping the wishbone, you know? Oh Lord, if it's your will. Oh, bummer. I got the wrong end of the thumb. God must have not answered me. That's not how Jesus prayed. Jesus said, Father, I know you hear everything I pray. I know you hear every word I pray. And so I prayed, and he prayed with purpose. So he knew he was talking to his father, who was listening carefully to every word. And your life prayers become a communication with our Father in heaven. We talk to him like we talk to each other, with sense, with purpose. Do you just stop for a moment and examine your prayer life? Do your prayers resemble talking to each other's husband and wife? Speaking to your children and to others? Is there a person you're talking to? Or are you just rambling on, snapping a wishbone? Faith 
is the conviction of things not seen, earthly things, that you can't see with these eyes. But there are things that are seen in faith. Jesus said, I know my Father. I see my Father do things, and I follow. I just do what I see in John chapter 6. That's what I do. How do you imitate your Father in heaven when you can't see what He's doing? You won't imitate. You can't imitate someone if you can't see what they're doing. So if you look, if you come to prayer to look what He's doing, then you can follow Him. The conviction of things not seen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we were speaking about this as brothers the other night as a ministry team, and uh, Brother Kerry was talking to us about how it's ministering to him, and I'm so blessed with this word many, many times the Lord brings it into my heart. But with the other emphasis in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Not once a week, not once a month, not once a quarter, not once a year, once a day, day by day. There's a renewal happening in my heart. You know what that word renewal is? It's the word remodel. There's old stuff leaving and new stuff being added. That's the word. Remodel. Old stuff torn out, new stuff added every day. And because of that, I don't lose heart. I'm not discouraged. Why? Look what I'm seeing. For, or servant 17, for momentary light affliction is producing for us, for me, an eternal weight of glory far beyond comparison. And when you compare something, it means you're looking at something. Right? You're comparing this with this. You're looking at two different things and you start comparing. You're looking at something, something you're seeing. Okay? So now, this eternal weight of glory, I'm seeing it, and I'm comparing it to, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. That's what I'm looking at. For the things which are seen are temporal, short-term, and all will pass away. But the things which are not seen are eternal. That's the good fight of faith. That's what delivers me from covetousness. When I see the eternal weight of glory, and I compare that eternal reward with this, money that's going to burn up, or anything else that I may want, that answers all my questions. That comparison. But it's because of what I'm looking at. I'm not looking at this temporal self. I'm looking at the eternal reward. And that's what Hebrews 11 tells us that these men and women did. 
back to Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 13. And these all died in faith without receiving the promise, the earthly promise. Abraham was not a father of many nations yet when he died. And he did have a son of promise and he had eight children. Six through Keturah, his wife after Sarah, and he had Isaac. But, so seven children, I guess. But they weren't great many nations. The, the promise of that his seed would be as the stars of the heaven that God had said, go look at the stars, that's how many children you're going to have. He died without the promise. And so did all these others as you can go through. What about Abel? Where was his promise? He came and gave a sacrifice. And he died a short time later. Did he receive a promise? What do you think? Yes, he did. The eternal reward. That's what he received. The first martyr in the Bible, the first martyr on the earth, received his eternal reward of faith. These all died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them. Wait, what were they looking at? The ones they did not receive or the ones they seen? They received. Having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. But those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. Speaking of Moses, in verse 25, verse 24, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill-treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to his reward. And Moses found that reward. It's wonderful to me that when Jesus was on the mount and was transfigured in front of Peter, James, and John, who was there with him? Moses. And Elijah. He had received his reward. The two that I would like to point out to you that are not so common are in verse 32. And what more shall I say? The Holy Spirit says. There are so many examples. I could talk of many. For time would fail me. Wow, time failed me. You ever experienced that? When you go and you begin to take this fight of faith, time turns into eternity in your soul. And you will find on this exploration, dear child of God, a whole big family of 
a life together. I believe that with my whole heart. And so, I, I seek to, in my life, honor my wife. Because we're joint heirs of this life together. And of the ministry God has called us to. Of the life God has called us to live. And so, in giving honor to her in that respect, I realize that she empowers me. She empowers me. Through her faith, she built up mine. Look at Deborah and Barak in Judges chapter 4. So the woman, Deborah, it starts with her. This woman, Deborah, is judging Israel through this time. And she's doing a good job. She's doing a good job. Was it a woman's job? No. But where were the men? There was no man who was willing to stand up and judge Israel. And so God used a woman. And God still uses women. When the men come football dads, interested in the world, they yell and scream and cheer until they're hoarse over sports and the other interests they may have, but they won't open their mouth as a testimony of Jesus Christ. Not in the church and not in their home, and most certainly not in the world. They're silent and they're chicken. Look. Verse 4, now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Libagoth, was judging Israel at that time. And she used to sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, of Ephraim. And the sons of Israel came up to her for judgment. Now she sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Behold, the Lord God of Israel has commanded, Go and march to Mount Tabor, and take with you 10,000 men from the sons of Naphtali and the sons of Zebulun. And I will draw out to you Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his many troops to the river Kishon. And I will give him into your hand. Then Barak said to her, I'll only go if you go with me. Interesting. I'll only go if you go with me. But if you will not with, go with me, I won't go. I think he was a wise man. How many husbands are willing to say this to their wives? I'll go if you go with me. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the honor shall not be yours on the journey that you are about to take. For the Lord will sell Sesra into the hands of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Gadesh. Now I want to notice something to you. The reason I said he was a wise man is because Hebrews 11 says he was a man of faith. It doesn't mention Deborah. Interesting. But it was Deborah who had the word of prophecy. And who went with him. And it was yet another woman who actually killed the leader. We're going to read that. Also, Barak, in verse 10, called Zebulun and Naphtali. And they came together. And you can read the story. They went out and they fought the battle. And they won the battle. 
Verse 14, And Deborah said to Barak, Arise, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sesar into your hands. Behold, the Lord has gone out before you. And so he did go. He went out. He went down to Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord rooted Sesar and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak and Sesar alighted from his chariot and fled on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Harishabeth Haggion, something like that. And all the army of Sesra fell by the edge of the sword, not even one was left, except Sesra. Guess where he went? Now Sesra fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Hebor the Kenite. Now the Kenite, Hebor the Kenite, was related to Moses' father-in-law. And he had separated himself from this. And he was friends with Jaden, with Sesra. For there was peace between Jaden, the king of Hazor, and the house of Hebrew, the Canaanite. Interesting connection, huh? And Jael went out to meet Sesra and said to him, Turn aside, my master. Turn aside to me. Do not be afraid. And he turned aside to her in the tent, and she covered him with a rug. And he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a bottle of milk and gave him a drink. Then she covered him. And he said to her, Stand in the doorway of the tent, and it shall be, if anyone comes and inquires of you and says, Is there anyone here? That you shall say, No. But Jael, Hebrew's wife, took a tent peg and seized the hammer in her hand and went secretly to him and drove the peg into his temple and he went through into the ground for he was sound asleep and exhausted so he died and behold as Barak pursued Sesra, Jael came out to meet him and said come and I will show you the man whom you are seeking and he entered in with her and behold Sesra was lying dead with the tent peg in his temple so God subdued on that day Jabin the king of Canaan before the sons of Israel. Deborah and Jael, two women that God used, women of faith. How much faith do you think it took Jael to go out and take a fleeing king or Caesar, the, the captain of the army, and invite him into her tent? She, she knew. Don't you think she knew that Israelite army was going to be there any time. But she did more than that. Her faith followed through and she killed the enemy. I just want to encourage you. Faith is not always what we think it looks like. Faith, the good fight of faith, God uses men and women to overcome and accomplish the destination. Christ in us is the destination. And if you want to become an imitator of God, dear man, look to your life. Allow the Lord to bring a unity in joint heirs together in our relationship. And there, will be changed into the image of Jesus. And Satan will be defeated in our lives. 
They sang a song called, in chapter 5, and you can read it sometime, it's a very interesting song called the Song of Barak and Deborah. And they sang this song. I'm going to point out a few things in this song that Deborah writes. Number one that I'm going to point out is verse 7. She says, Until I, Deborah, arose, until I arose a mother in Israel. The church needs mothers, sisters. For a church to be a strong church, a church where Jesus Christ overcomes the flesh, where Jesus Christ reigns supremely, where His Spirit flows among us and is an overcoming Spirit, a church needs mothers. Deborah's jails. And I, I believe that when we as men were called to lead the church and give leadership role in our homes and in the church and in the world, when we give you women this place in the church and in our homes and in our world, Christ is glorified and the devil's Judges 
chapter 8, I think it is. Chapter 11. Jephthah chapter 11. Here in this example of Jephthah, we see a man who was an outsider in his family. And this is another point. The first point I like to make to us that faith does is it honors women. And women together become joint heirs of our fight of faith. And in that, our prayers are not hindered. Heaven is open and prayer life. Our engagement with God, God answers our prayers. We experience the presence of God. But there's something that often intimidates us and holds us back from this. And that is who we're born, how we're born, our natural life. Jephthah finds himself a brother of 11 and he had a different mother. He was born from a harlot. He was the outsider, or as we would say, the black sheep of the family. So much so that when it came time to give inheritance, you'll read in verse 2, and Gilead's wife bore him sons. And when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall not have an inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. And worthless fellows gathered themselves about Jephthah, and they went out with him. What a company. Would you choose this guy to deliver Israel? But God did. Don't let your natural birth, your natural family, or any natural experience in your life hold you back from God's purpose and accomplishing His purpose through you. God uses people like Jephthah because it took faith. You see, if he would have been born in a prestigious family, the oldest of the family, he would have been a natural, right? But so with David. When Samuel came to Jesse's house, he wanted to anoint his oldest brother because his oldest brother was in the army. He was a valiant soldier. He had proven himself. And he was a strong man and he looked like a king should look. God said, no. Amen. And he went down all the way through the line and where was David? He wasn't even there. Talk about the black sheep of the family or the runt. Jesse, his dad, didn't even think he should call him because he wasn't, I mean, he's just a kid. He's out there with the sheep. You tend the sheep while we have our family meeting. Have a sacrifice with the prophet Samuel. And God says, No, there's none of these here. It's the one out with the sheep that I choose. A man after my own heart. And God does these things on purpose because it is designed, the Christian life is designed to be a life of faith. And faith takes the things that are seen and makes them as nothing. And produces, looks at the things that are not seen and makes them great things of God in our life. And so was Jephthah. And you can read the story. I won't have time to go into the whole story of Jephthah. But Jephthah ended up being the ruler of Israel for many years. 
and also subdued the enemies of God. Jephthah also did it with his daughter. And you can see what happened. It's a promise that he gave to God. And, you know, again, the Lord does many of these things in our life in ways that we look at and say, is that right? What? That's not conventional or that's outside of man's wisdom. But God is looking for someone who's willing to live by faith and trust in His Word. But there's something I want to point out to you about Jephthah. Jephthah did not go out and fight this war on his own. Just like Barak didn't. Barak went through the Word of God that came through Deborah as a prophetess. So Jephthah went out and he appealed to the Ammonites and if you read down the story, he came to them with the word of Moses, with the truth of God's word in history. And he appealed to them in verse 12 and he sent messengers to the king of Ammon and he said, look, why are you picking a fight with us? Way back then when Moses led us out of Egypt, we went around your land. We didn't fight and destroy you and kill you because God said, there are your brothers. Ammon came from... You know where he came from? Lot. The Ammonites were descendants of Lot, who had been with Abraham. And so there was a respect of mutual family ties there. Lot was Abraham's nephew. And God said, don't destroy them. There are valid people on the earth. And so he goes back and he reminds them of this, the king of Ammon, and says, this is how, this is God's purpose. This was God's decree. So don't fight with us. Go home. When he refused to do that, he took up the fight. But he did it based on God's word. The fight of faith is not a fight of flesh. My will even my purpose, my desires, a good fight, a good fight of faith, is based on the instruction of God's Word. It's called obedience. That's it. And when you and I fight battles that are not obedience, we fight useless battles. They don't overcome my flesh nor anyone else's. From the kingdom of heaven's standpoint, they're useless. And eventually, those fights, they wear us out. And those fights become a stumbling block in our life. Because they become fights of flesh and blood. We begin to fight with other people instead of fighting with them. Paul tells us very clearly in 2 Corinthians 10, we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and high powers in heavenly places. And when you and I begin to fight each other, whether it's husband and wife, or dad and sons, or, or people within the church, or, or your co-worker, when you begin to fight with flesh and blood, you lose the fight of the devil. You can't fight two wars. Hitler demonstrated that very clearly. Right? He picked too many fights and he lost. You and I cannot focus on our fight, a good fight of faith, if we're fighting with other people in our life. You fight flesh and blood or you fight spiritual war. You can't do both. Because spiritual warfare 
is done through prayer. My house will It's a fight of faith because you're fighting wars you don't see. And no one else sees either. And so when someone comes to pick up a fight with you, whether it's someone on the road, or your co-worker, or in your home, whoever it is, wherever it is, and you choose to fight with them, you're going to lose the war. In your own soul. I would rather win the war there than lose this fight. Which one are you winning? One in the heavenlies, the eternal one, or this one? This one is temporary. And you may never win it anyway. You could win the argument, but not win the soul. Many times if you win the argument, you lost the soul. But if you don't want to win the soul for Jesus Christ, many times you have to be willing Jephthah thought, thought, based upon God's word. That's you and I. When we fight the good fight of faith, we must fight in obedience. That's it. Our faith is anchored in clear obedience. And then it becomes a good fight. A fight worth fighting for. There's one more little example that I just want to give you. This is, her name is Annie Scarpel. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Where's my uh, US here? I'm going to plug this into my computer. So you can see this up on the big screen. This lady was a Norwegian lady. And she Annie Scholar, I think that's how you pronounce it. Anyway, you should read her story. So um, someone put this on. Uh, there's a there's a place over in Thailand, actually, here in Sarada, called Asian Harvest, and they started sending out a newsletter of men and women who are not so well known in the body of Christ, but who fought the good fight of faith. And they sent this one out, and again, it's a woman whom God used mightily and powerfully. She was born in 1911, as you can read through her early years, and the Lord sends her to China. In 1951, she was uh, she was driven out of China when the by the Red Army, as they called it, the communists came in, and but she continued to serve and live her life down through here, a life of faith. And she went through World War II, um, through, again, through, uh, back in Norway, when Hitler marched into Norway with all his army. And you can read through here how she fought on her knees. And through the word that the Lord gave her to serve others and their needs. It was amazing how she became an undercover woman of faith. And fought that good fight of faith and blessed many souls and helped many Jews escape. Um, during later, she goes uh, back to. I'm going to show you this her picture here, but she goes uh, back to China. Where's the, here she is. They called her the big woman because she was a big woman. 
compared to a Chinese woman. During her years in China, you can read that she was not well known to most Western Christians, but because she labored faithfully in obscure ways. But in the heavens today, she's receiving her reward of fame. And there are many, many accounts like this. Dear brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you. When you think about fighting the good fight of faith, and how do you obey? First Timothy chapter 6, when the Lord says to you, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life for which you are called. How are you doing that? When you hear that command, I want to encourage you to look to the examples of faith. Again, in Hebrews 11, and traveling throughout the annals of history of the church, your faith will be much encouraged. Because faith comes only one way. By hearing. By hearing the word of Christ. That's what increases my faith. It takes me from faith to faith, as Romans said. It comes by hearing. And if you fill your life with the world's music, with the world's Yadi 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 yadi. Noise. Your faith will slowly diminish to the worldly level of faith. But everyone else around you. You'll be depressed with our economy. You'll be depressed with our government. You'll be depressed with the world. You'll be depressed with your community. You'll be depressed with your home. You'll be depressed with your work life. You'll be depressed. Eventually, suppressed, suppressed, until you're completely deflated. A flat tire that God can't go anywhere with. Or you can be an animal. Or you can be a Jephthah, a Deborah, a Jael, who in her own little tent killed the captain, fought the war. Our Father in heaven, we come to you in Jesus' name. I pray today you would encourage our faith. Each one of us, men and women alike, you are without respect to persons. And you can use the smallest little act of jail in her tent to win a war of mighty army. You can use an Annie and many others, Lord, to encourage our faith you're looking today at us and you're wanting to do something with our faith. So I pray. Take this. Oh Lord, equip us with the full armor of God called contentment so that we can withstand every fiery dart of the evil one and be more than overcomers to even bless us. Jesus' name.
haven't gone back to this morning. I want to share it with uh, the pastor from uh, Carolina that I heard this morning. He brought up the one thing about prayer is, and, and he, he gave a challenge to his congregation as well. This week when we pray, take a moment before you actually pray and just be silent and think of who you're really praying to. Am I saying a prayer of conviction? Am I saying a prayer of this is what we've always done and I don't have it? Or is it a prayer of wish? And I just pray that for myself. I'm like, I, I thought about that. You know, it's like, man, it just uh, to really stop just before you enter into prayer and who really God is and who am I really praying to and what am I praying for? And uh, I just pray that myself and all of us that we can challenge um, uh, ourselves in that way to deepen our faith in Christ. Thanks again for coming. Um, yep, it'll be probably just a little bit until we have the first and hot dogs done, so it'll be just a little bit patient, but uh, we'll have it soon. With that said, uh, why don't we just bow our head for a word of prayer, and then we'll have the blessing on the
Amén. 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 Amén.